Welcome back to the sixth episode of the Physio Podcast presented by First Class Rehab. Today, we are doing a case study. Sybil talks about her experience with one specific patient who has Alzheimer's. She outlines the approaches and techniques she uses to treat this individual with Alzheimer's. We apologize for missing an upload last week. Many of us were sick and just unable to record an episode for the week. But we will now be back to our regular Thursday uploads. We hope you enjoy this week's episode of the Physio Podcast. Okay, so today we are talking about a case study about uh, physiotherapy intervention with patients diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and specifically one patient you are, are treating. Um, so tell me about this case study with patient X, we'll call them. Um, did they have any pre-existing injuries? What is their current condition like? Kind of give some background. Okay. So I met patient X a few months ago. Um, and this particular patient had been involved in a car accident and had broken his hip and had also, due to balance problems, later on, a year later, broken his foot. So he had surgery for that. But when I went to see patient X, I met him in his home and had a long conversation with his wife, who let me know that he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's prior to his motor vehicle accident. Um, however, at the time that he had been diagnosed, he was able to ride his bike, he was able to drive, he was still in the community getting in and out and walking and doing all sorts of things. So when I met him, he had then had his motor vehicle accident and his Alzheimer's symptoms had increased. Um, he had deteriorated quite significantly. Um, at this time, patient X uh, apparently, from what the wife has reported, functions at the level of a four-year-old. So one of the reasons why I started seeing him in the home is because he has a tendency of, of yelling, um, and which is a really hard thing when he's out in the community. And he yells based on minor little efforts when he goes from sit to stand when he pulls his pants up, um, and he's quite loud. Um, he's a very, very friendly man, um, lovely to work with, uh, but he's, he's disrupting really in a, in a group setting. So they tried some, some exercise programs in the community, and he was so disruptive at the time that he, they just could not go out in the community and do these exercise programs with him. Um, Patient X is uh, is physically quite capable. He's quite strong, um, but has lost mobility. He has lost his ability to walk uh, properly. He shuffles um, and he loses his balance quite often. So there has been a number of um, events where he has slid off the bed and landed on the floor, or he has fallen and tripped, um, and his wife really has a hard time uh, helping him to get back up off the floor. So she's had to call paramedics. And this is one of the reasons we want to make him um, more functional so he can help when he falls 
to get back up. Now, is this um, is the recent problems of falling and having problem walking? Is that because of the Alzheimer's, or is it because of the car accident, or both? Sure, good question. Um, I think initially, clearly, the the injuries to the hip and ankle um, made it made it made him weaker and harder to function. But overall, um, it is my belief that his um, cognitive abilities, and that means his his muscle patterns, his ability to to move one foot in front of the other and lift his foot when it's necessary, um, has been changed due to Alzheimer's. Um, when before he would have been able to see that there is a ledge and then his foot would have been able to lift over the edge ledge. Um, and you know, those muscle patterns are really impaired. Um, so him learning to move properly again within normal muscle patterns or more normalized muscle patterns is what we're trying to restore. Now, I guess I know we're, we're talking specifically about one case study, um, but kind of just take a, a, a quick step back. You, you kind of touched on it briefly, but what does, what, how does Alzheimer's affect the body's ability physically? Yeah. And so this is, I'm going to speak in a very general um, format because every Alzheimer's diagnosis is, is very different and, and some are more uh, about judgment and decision-making when others have more difficulties with, um, with, movement anyways in this particular case i think we are looking at at all of it really all of it so every moment in our life we make this we make decisions um if i want to go up the stairs to get something um i have to make a decision if um if i need to shift my body to take the next step up on the stairs i have to make a decision do I use a banister? Um, do I walk up the stairs and look at the steps or do I look up to where I'm going? Do I, am I dealing with carpet? Am I dealing with a slippery ground? All these minor little decisions that we have to make and how do we make them safely are decisions we make in the moment. And, and this particular case, he is not able to make those decisions. He makes bad decisions. Um, or unsafe decisions, so he is at great risk of of falling. Okay, so going into, um, you said you did the initial assessment. Go, so going into his home for the first time, um, you understand his injuries and you understand his the fact that he has Alzheimer's. So how does the the fact that he has Alzheimer's change the way you you I guess assess him and plan for his treatment because. Or, or is there, does, does the fact that he has Alzheimer's change the way you plan in the future or does it, does it make it hard to plan for the future because the future might be a little more unclear than, than maybe somebody that does just have hip and ankle problems? Yeah. Um, you know, the first thing I did was work with what I 
saw and I was able to get out of him. Um, so something that he was very familiar with is what I used. Um, he had been working on a repetitive exercise program that was given to him three years ago. And for three years, he did the same exercises, which we know is, you know, not going to move him forward. Right. It, it, you know, repeating three sets of 10 of, you know, a biceps curl at a certain weight for three years, it's just not going to improve you. So I started with that, just watching him move. Um, so the other decision I make is I don't do the standardized strength and range of motion testing because he had difficulties just following the instructions of, you know, lift your legs, push your, you know, push into my hand and all that kind of, kind of very typical assessment tools. I just watched him when I see somebody lift a five pound weight with his biceps. I know that the biceps can, the elbow can bend and the, the biceps has that kind of strength. So right. I can assess just by observing somebody move through different motions, sit to stands, standing on one leg, kicking with one foot, that sort of thing. It, it tells me a lot. So that's where I started. And I attempted to make some modifications to his existing program, and which meant that his wife had to help him and guide him. And he kept going back to what his initial exercise program was and was had a difficult time to adjust to the minor changes that I made. So I made a decision to do things a bit differently. Um, patient X likes to like certain areas of the house. He has a recliner that he uses and he uses it to recline back, to sit up. He walks to his bed and likes to lie down very frequently and tends to lie down on his side. So we decided to improve his mobility by basically just following him where he was going. So if he was sitting in his recliner, we um, worked with him uh, on exercises where he leans forward and reaches to his radio, for example, in order to get more hip flexion out of him. When he was lying, when he went to his bed and decided I'm going to lie on my back, that's when we asked him to extend one leg and bring the other one up to his chest so we could work on hip extension. When he gets on his side, I might get him to kick one foot back and uh, work on quadriceps lengthening. Um, if he's lying on his side, I might get him to reach up with his hand and reach back behind him to work on what's called trunk rotation. So I set the goals of the mobility that I was looking for based within the positions that he was choosing to be in. Without a structure, without a particular, um, without a particular agenda. So I wanted to just make sure that we got all the different movements in that we wanted to, that we needed for him to be more mobile with. And does that change 
day to day, or I guess, um, like appointment to appointment? Like, does that absolutely so you, you go in and, and you go? Yes. Now, in my head, I know what I need to get to. I right. need to yeah. get yeah. that. Yeah. So hip there's, extension. A, there's a big I need, right. there's an end goal. There is an end goal, but, but how you get there isn't right. The journey clear. to yeah. get there yeah. is flexible. We right. move with him. We don't stop him from yelling. When he yells, we get him to count. And when he counts, he yells less. Um, what is the what, what, what's the idea around behind the counting? Counting just takes his mind off what is this his a, need to yell. Is this a technique used for like for many people, or is this just what you found this specific works for to him. him? For him, okay. This works for him. Okay. Sometimes we can do breathing. Right. Um, sometimes he follows with counting. Sometimes he stops yelling when he has a target to work towards. Sometimes he yells because he's in a bit of pain. A bit of a stretch brings that yelling on. And then we ask, are you in pain? Where does it hurt? And that stops him from yelling because he's going to tell me where it hurts. Then we modify it. Right. So I'll have three, four, five different exercises for the same goal. Let's just say hip extension. I will just use the different exercises based on what position he's in. Now, is this is. Is this much different than someone without Alzheimer's or. Is it. The fact that he's Alzheimer's, you have to come in with four different ideas in your head to get to the end goal. Or does that ha- also happen with 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 people that just have, I guess, hip and hip and ankle problems? Or is can you go in with going, we're gonna do this one exercise because this is gonna get you probably or this is the most effective? Sure. I, I think what, what happens is that uh a an individual that doesn't have the cognitive impairments like patient X has, I can tell him or I can suggest to this person, please sit down and extend your knee. And they're likely to do that unless mm. they, they don't want to. Yeah. Right. Now he just does not respond well to that at times. And at times he does. So I have to work with where he's at and with the comfort level that he finds by choosing different positions. Okay. Um, so how long, how long have you been seeing this patient? I worked with him. I worked with him for about, let's say, three months now. Okay. And I work in conjunction with what's called a rehab support worker who goes in in between my sessions and carries out that same kind of exercise routine let's not call it routine because it's never a routine with him it changes continuously but with that concept she is well um trained in behavioral therapy not that he needs behavioral therapy but an understanding on how do you encourage somebody to do something an exercise when they don't want to do it the way you want to how do you get there right yeah, how do you work with this rehab support worker? Is are they attending the sessions? You yes, we attend the sessions together. Okay, um, we might have a briefing prior to going in to see. 
patient X and we kind of go over how did things go, what were you able to do, what were the difficulties, what barriers did you did you encounter, mm-hmm. how can we change that? And then once we're ready and have a plan, then we go in and see how it works on that particular day because it might work or it might not work. Right. And so, and so it's a very collaborative effort. Yes. Okay. Um, is there, so I guess for, for patient X, would there be anything that would help him further? So he has a, so he sees you maybe like what, once a week and then a rehab support worker also once a week individually. So right now, based on, on very limited funds for okay. physiotherapy intervention, I see, and because the program is well set, the rehab support worker sees him once a week and we meet about every three weeks. Right. So, so I, ideally be more, but obviously funds sure. restrict so, a lot, right? So, right. So we're going to, we're adding to this collaboration. His wife does a bit of these programs because she participates. She's there as well and she observes. Um, and there's also two days of PSW support. So what we're going to do is we're going to create a video um, that allows in the future a PSW to watch that and see how do we carry out these exercise programs and what are the options. So again, for hip flexion, how do you get hip flexion? How do we work on that to to make hip flexion better? Are we sitting? Are we lying down? Are we on his is he on his back? Is he is he um, on his side? And interestingly, we just yesterday um, introduced a, a really new position for him that was interesting to to watch him go through. We we got onto hands and knees, um, and it was almost like recreating a long lost movement pattern that he didn't know how to do, but once we facilitated, he was able to get into. And hands and knees is a position that is really helpful for when somebody gets falls on the floor, how are we going to get you back up? So we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll work further into those different mobility positions. Okay. So how do you, I, I'm curious about how, because with Alzheimer's, there's an inherent mental decline that as of right now will continue forever. Um, So how do you deal with that as a physiotherapist? Because if you do see him for, uh, let's say two years, there will be two years later, there will be some type of mental decline at whatever. So how do you, how do you deal with that? The work, yeah, the work you do today, does that, does that change in two years where maybe? Sure it will. Absolutely. Um, I think knowing and understanding that Alzheimer's is a degenerative disease and who knows what he's going to be like in two years. Will he need more care? We're not trying to fix Alzheimer's. No. We are simply trying to give him the best quality of life that he can have at the moment and really hope for the best and make him comfortable. Um, He experiences a lot of low back pain and that's one, another source of his yelling when he moves. Um, And, and really at this time is to, to keep him as mobile as possible as pain-free as possible, improve his quality of life, improve his wife's ability to help him 
when he needs to, when he falls, when he slides off the bed, which happens, and with a few additional strategies that we came up with to to make it easier for her as well. So she doesn't have to call 911 each time that he's on the ground. Right. So is it is it easy or fair to say that his goals are more short term than long term? Absolutely. Okay. And they will change as we go along. Of course. Of course. So are those are those his goals? You kind of just mentioned them. Um, I know we were going to talk about his goals and um are those his overall goals just to be more comfortable? And I guess even with his wife to be more comfortable. Right. Because that's a big part of it, right? Like being a, 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 a basically a, a primary caretaker at home, right? So right. Right. So the goals, you know, very clearly he he's incredibly thankful. Um, when we show up and he says, oh, you're the one that gives me exercises and you're the one that makes my pain better. And so his pain is clearly something that he understands very well. He would like to have less pain like everybody else. And, And he seemingly knows at this point still that, yes, these exercises are making his pain better. And his wife's goals are a bit different. She would like him to yell a little less, right? right. It's 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 uncomfortable, yeah. right? It's really unfortunate. Um, she would like him to be in less pain. She would like for herself not to have to struggle with with when he's on the ground. How am I going to deal with that? Because she has her own physical problems. Yeah. Right. So I was going to ask about. Uh, the wife in particular, how, how, so you, you were talking about with the, the, the personal care, t- personal care worker. It's a very collaborative effort. Yes. Is that the same with the wife? Is she there every session working with you? Absolutely. She is. And she watches us, knows what we're doing. She will write the exercises down that you can do with him. She's very, very proactive when it comes to the work we do. And I'll, I'll take the time to explain what we're doing. And, and so she can, she can help out as well. So really it's, it's everybody helping in the way they can to, to facilitate this program. Right. And, and, um, is there any way that you try or what ways do you try to make it easier for her? So for example, if he's on, if he falls and he's on the ground, right? how do you make it easier for her to help so, him? Great. Because we had a, we had a great conversation about, and so I ask, usually at first I want to know how did he fall? Where did he land? What time of the day was it? So let's just say he slid off the bed and he landed on his bottom. So what she tends to do is she puts something like a towel or something underneath his bottom, finds a way to shuffle him, shimmy him over so he's on a towel. And then she gets him to, she slides him forward as he tries to move forward and they go towards the stairs, which is about 10 meters. And at the stairs, he can then try to push up, get get his bum on the first step, get his bottom on the next step, and then he can stand up which is not perfect. It's not working quite well yet. Okay. So what we've come up with is first of all, slide him backwards, not forward. It's much easier. So he can push, put shoes on him, 
that are More actually traction. have some yeah. traction so he can push because he has strength. Okay. We provided him with what's called push-up bars. These are, um, you can get them at the, at a fitness equipment place, which are people do uh, planks and push-ups with okay, them. Yeah. So he can actually push a bit higher. So he's sliding backwards. He's pushing with his feet. He is also, so he pushes up towards the stairs and then the issue is getting his hands back behind him onto the first step and lift his bottom. So that's the next step. That's what we're working towards. So I think we can get him there from a strength perspective. It's more about him being able to follow the instructions and he gets very frustrated at this time. This is when the yelling happens, right? Right. Because he's can't figure out how to get up. Right. Although he has the strength to do it. So these movement patterns is what we're trying to improve. So what is the, um, why is he unable to, if he does fall, why is he unable to get up? Is it, is it physical or is it mental that he doesn't? He cannot remember how to do it. Okay. He can't remember and he can't follow the instructions step by step to then do it. Okay. So that's the work we're doing, getting him stronger to be able, getting, giving him more range so he can actually do it. Now, is there... By performing these exercises, or, or or I guess practicing this, the the steps it need you need to, or he needs to to get up, does that improve his mental capacity to remember the steps, or is it are you just like improving the physical, and then Both. his wife's there to help? Both. I think um, we're gonna see um, it. Movement patterns are simply repetition of these movement patterns. And let me just kind of say walking, standing, going to sitting, so sit to stand, um, going on, turning on your back, turning on your side, turning on your belly, getting up on hands and knees are all movement patterns. And, and people that don't do them forget how to do them. Right. For somebody who does all these movement patterns, they don't understand what they, yeah, what do you mean to, you forget? Yeah. You can't think of that. But when you don't, you forget how to do them. So it's a matter of getting into all these different positions and exploring them. What do I have to do? What are my limitations? Where is it hard? Is it strength? Is it range? Or is it just I've forgotten how to do it? Right. Okay. Um, do you have anything else you want to? Or well, I'm 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 really excited to see if someday in the next month or two his wife and him can hopefully he doesn't fall, of course. Yeah. But maybe if it does happen again, they find a strategy, a final strategy to be able to get up without too much effort. And I think we're very close. We're very close. It's not the usual way of getting up. It doesn't matter how you do it in the end. Uh, yeah, as, long as long as you as, get up. Yeah, yeah the right? outcome's Use the same. stairs, banisters. It doesn't matter what yeah, it is. Yeah. Just find a way to get up. So if we can get to that, that would be wonderful for both of them. Awesome. And of course, make his pain better. I mean, yeah. that's, that's part of that yeah. whole thing as well. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. We hope you enjoyed the case study as much as we enjoyed recording the specific format. 
We are looking to bring on some guests to the podcast. So if you have any recommendations, please let us know by emailing us at info at firstclassrehab.com or simply message us on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Just search First Class Rehab and we will appear. We'll see you next week.